1: Hey, friends! Welcome back to the Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. Normally joined by Aubrey Sampson, but Aubrey is out today. And so, what do I do when I'm alone? I got to go call on some old friends. This is what we're this is what we're going to do. No, I'm really excited to have a conversation about college, a conversation about liberal arts education. And for that, we've brought on the provost of Calvin University. His name is Doctor Noah Toley. Doctor Tolley, how are we doing today?
2: Great. Good to be with you, Brian. Yep, yep. Good to see you again.
1: So here is our background. We need to just tell the audience our background. Uh, Noah, a graduate of Wheaton College, class of 99. Myself, a graduate of Wheaton College, 1999. Uh, Noah and I actually lived next door to each other our freshman year. We lived together. Our sophomore year, we were in each other's weddings. This is like a Christmas card coming home, man. This is, right. a, this is like, hey, we don't get to catch up, so let's do it on radio. So it's really fun to see you again. Uh, you are now, as I said, at Calvin University. So uh, what does a provost do? If sounds important, tell us what your role is at Calvin.
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Brian. My son, Joe our oldest, is a sophomore here at Calvin, and he consistently reminds me that nobody knows what a provost does. (laughs) So whenever we uh, introduce me as provost, we do need this uh, information to follow. Provost is the chief academic officer of an academic institution or the vice president for academic affairs. And here at Calvin, what that means is I get to work with our fantastic faculty um, to develop our curricular programs and uh, help them to succeed in their teaching and scholarship and their institutional service. Uh, we work on some all the curricular pieces that Kelvin does, but also some co-curricular mm-hmm. pieces like uh, service learning falls under the academic division. and at Kelvin, I'm also lucky to work with our athletic department too. It's a lot of fun, as you know uh, we we both have different backgrounds working. <laughs> In and around athletics. That's right. And uh, I get to go to a a team practice or a game and call that work, which is a lot of fun.
1: (laughs) Nice. Throw on the shoulder beds. I actually wanted to ask you a quick question about that. But before we do, uh, like I said, we are friends uh, going way back. Can we still be friends by the fact that I've sent my daughter to Hope College in Holland, Michigan, the grand rival of Calvin University in Grand Rapids, Michigan? Is that like a deal breaker? Can we can we still be in relationship, even though I've made that choice with my life?
2: It's close to a deal breaker, Brian. It's it's <laughs> it's really close, but I'm going to practice forgiveness, <laughs> grace, forbearance. I hope she's having a great experience at that school, about 40 minutes west of here. Yes, and I would love to have you over to Grand Rapids sometime when you're up here to visit her.
1: We need to do that. We do. Uh, it's amazing how many of her friends are actually from Grand Rapids. But Hope has been wonderful, but so is Calvin. You mentioned the athletics. Uh, you're not Facebook friends. And I've been seeing all this stuff. You guys launched a football team this year, we which did. I've been following. I find that to be fascinating. Hey, I didn't know Calvin didn't have a football team. How does one launch a
2: football team? But more importantly, why, why did you
1: guys choose to launch a football team?
2: That's a great question. Um, we have these t-shirts that people have been wearing and sweatshirts for years that say Calvin university or Calvin college football undefeated since 1876. (laughs) Um, It's we learned in this process that that's not exactly true. Um, We actually fielded a football team for one or two games a long time ago, generations ago. Um, They lost both of those games. And so we've been defeated before. We we don't plan to, (laughs) to ruin that record. Anytime soon, we launched the football team for lots of different reasons. Um, one of them had to do with the student experience. Um, we're we're building out what we hope to be the most compelling student experience of uh, any university or college in our class. Um, and we're really looking forward to what football will bring to that. The weekly rhythm that it brings, the big event engagement that it brings. We had 3,500 people show up for wow. our homecoming Scrimmage. Wow. It was an intra squad scrimmage. No stakes, no opponent. Yeah. Just people coming out to see Calvin play Calvin.
1: That's awesome.
2: And we had 3,500 people. That atmosphere was fantastic. And we look forward to bringing more of that. Of course, there are all sorts of other um, enrollment benefits that come along with launching new athletic programs. Football wasn't the only one that we launched, we have an entire athletic strategic plan. That included work in five areas, and one was adding varsity sports in football, men's volleyball to complement our already fantastic women's volleyball program, um, and uh, acrobatics and tumbling.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. I've only seen one women's – I've only seen one women's volleyball college game in my entire life, and it happened to be a Hope Calvin one a couple years ago. It was was very – Tense it was good it was yes. it was very good, uh, so I want to ask you about the college experience in general, and then you 're going to stay with us we 're going to dive more into it. Uh, I was reading that calvin and is uh, enrollment way up or applications way up, which surprised me because all that you hear right now is people not going to college post covid we 're not going to college. Uh, what do you attribute that to, at Calvin specifically? Why why would enrollment and applications be up?
2: Another great question, and I think it's really fantastic that we're up uh, our largest percentage increase since World War II. If I if I have that correct, um, which has really um, been a terrific boost to the whole university. We've welcomed 1,150 new students across all of our categories of learners, traditional residential undergraduates, graduate students for the 23-24 academic year. And we're up right now in applications and admits over last year at this time as well. So we hope to keep that momentum going. Um, You're right that that's in the context of a lot of news about college attendance going down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there are a lot of ways to read that. The first thing we have to understand is that that news is usually framed as the aggregate or the average. And that can be true across the board, across different kinds of institutions, different regions without being true everywhere. And a lot of places like Calvin are growing in the midst of that. And um, our increase in this past year had a lot to do with Strategies and investments that uh, finally paid off after a couple of years. They were part of a three-year plan, mm. a four-year plan um, in our enrollment office, which has done fantastic work to communicate even more clearly uh, with the students who are interested in Calvin and also with students who don't know us yet. Mm. Reaching out to students to help them understand who Calvin is and why they might want to be here. Um, That's come along with the investments in our marketing communication division just to uh, amplify that word and help message it correctly. And there's also been a lot of programmatic investment. So we've had our Calvin cohorts launched, uh, which include thematic, interdisciplinary, cohort-based, experiential uh, learning opportunities um, in the arts, in health in sustainability one called the common good thank Uh, you yeah (laughs) i look forward to the speaking invitation (laughs) (laughs) that's right we really ought to pair them up with your show and get them on here sometime (laughs) bring you up here to calvin there you go Um, and then our honors program and then also our investments in athletics which have paid off in terms of students who hadn't thought of calvin before because we didn't we didn't have the programs they wanted to participate in right. if they were men's volleyball players or football players. We talked in the beginning, just kind
1: of getting the landscape. Calvin's applications are up. Calvin's uh, enrollment's up when other people's is down. Um, and a lot of strategy behind this. Let me pose to you a question I'm sure you guys have heard, because we hear it about our our alma mater at Wheaton and other places. Uh so when you watch the news everybody thinks all college campuses are just really woke and liberal these days right and so the the conversation you hear from some Christians is you either have to become really conservative school or lean into the progressivism you can't go this middle ground and that's how you get people there how do you guys approach it at Calvin letting kids figure things out but also you got alumni this what is it even something you guys are regularly talking about
2: I would say this is something that we're regularly talking about as a leadership team at yeah. Um One of the ways that we look at this is that we're about pursuing, knowing, and being transformed by God's truth, hmm. uh, wherever we find that, right? We find that in Scripture, but also um, because Scripture can help illuminate so many other areas of life, and God invites us uh, to pursue our curiosities and learn about the rest of the world that he's created. We find God's truth in all sorts of areas and through all sorts of disciplines. Yeah. And we don't actually expect that in the end, God's truth is going to map neatly onto our polarized political and social climate. (laughs) We don't think it's going to fit in a box.
1: Yeah. It's not going to
2: fit in a box on the right. It's not going to fit in a box on the left. And, Actually, it's not going to fit in a box in the middle either. <laughs> um, that is to say, the middle, quote unquote, isn't the answer either. Yeah. The the answer is to pursue God's truth um, with awe and wonder at how He's at work in the world, and more or less fearlessly, yeah, um, without uh, without dread or anxiety about what we might find. And trust him to illuminate for us what, what we might find in the world and to use it to transform us into the image of his son.
1: That's really good. Well put, my friend. Well put. Uh, liberal arts education. Again, I say it again. You and I are graduates of Wheaton College, a Christian liberal arts ed- uh, uh, institution, uh, as is Calvin. People probably hear that term thrown around but don't understand it. So help briefly define liberal arts education and then why you believe in it so much. Why do you think that's kind of the best way to go?
2: So liberal arts education is it's a term that has so many different definitions (laughs) uh, that I'm glad you invited me to give it some shape because, you know, when you when you use that term, people mean three or four or five different things uh, in a conversation using that term. Uh, I actually like the work of a scholar named Richard Detweiler, who wrote a book with MIT Press in 2021, um, actually identifying certain practical threads in liberal arts education. What I mean by that is practices that have defined Mm -hmm. liberal arts education over the years, which I think gets us out of what I consider to be a, a dead end conversation that's focused entirely on what fields of study do you mm. emphasize or entirely on what kind of institution are you and focuses more on what do you do at mm. your institution? Mm-hmm. Um, among the, the features of liberal arts education that he identifies um, are authentic community. Do you mm. do you participate in, in in your educational community? Do you participate in a community where people know your name? Mm. Well, let's say teachers know your name. Mm -hmm. and might engage you on topics beyond the course material outside of class? Yeah. That would be authentic community. Or are you stretched by people with diverse perspectives, Mm -hmm. uh, with perspectives that you don't necessarily always share,
1: Mm -hmm. but
2: you can learn from? Um, Do you take 50% or more of your coursework outside your major? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's an, that's an incredibly important part of liberal arts education, not because I want to play to the stereotype of liberal arts educated people as knowing a lot uh, a little about a lot of things
1: <laughs> right right um,
2: but because we're shaped by the fields of study in which we in, engage and so mm. it's it's not that I know a little bit about um let's say. Um, both the scientific way of knowing and then also the arts, right? Yep. I don't know a little bit. about I've been shaped by both the laboratory and the gallery. Mm. And that's different from knowing a little bit about them. I've been yeah, shaped by both the studio and the stage. I've been shaped by mm. the codex, right? The old form of books that we know. Mm-hmm. And then also the code. Right. Yeah. The, the new ways of thinking about what's all the code that's behind the uh, Internet we're using to connect today.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's really good. And uh, I think it's the liberal arts education, th- those fields that are that are attracting people. I think they are they are um, they really are opportunities for me. Like I remember my time at Wheaton. Right. My, one of my last classes I took was intro to quantum physics. I was a Bible major. I was a communications major. Carrie and I, the first class we ever took together. Natural disasters, ironically. Uh, you know, so it was uh it was that kind of thing. Um talk to us about kind of the spiritual element of Calvin. Because, you know, you again, we talked about it earlier. You walk a little bit of a fine line of like, we're gonna make sure everybody believes this. And also, time of college is a time to explore and be challenged and this and that. So what's kind of the perspective in the chaplain's office and how you guys approach your students at Calvin as it comes to spiritual formation?
2: Sure. The, the place to start at Calvin with that, which is not to say the only thing to discuss, but the place to start with that is that we're all doing spiritual formation all the time. Hmm. We're we're all actually participating in God's work of forming us as whole people, through his spirit, in everything that we do at Kelvin. And for for our faculty, for example, that happens through integration of faith and learning. They do that in their scholarship. They bring it into the classroom. Our students participate in it, and they learn to do that. And they they actually form habits of mind Hmm. that honor God by integrating their faith and learning and not keeping those things separate. Um, In our campus ministries and other areas of Calvin, we also participate in spiritual formation. Um, We have a vibrant chapel program. They meet five times a week. Um, It is voluntary, but it is every day. And uh, our campus pastor, Mary Hulse, does a terrific job preaching on Wednesdays. And then on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, we have different ways in which students can involve themselves in worship. Uh, We have Bible studies Uh, in the past couple of years. I've participated in campus Bible studies of Psalms, campus Bible studies of Mark. Mm. Um, Our our entire cabinet attends chapel before our cabinet meetings. Oh, cool. um, To participate with students and others in chapel worship and to learn from Mary as she preaches. And then I would say, I would point to the opportunities that students have for um, serving others in this way. We have, Barnabas group leaders that help yeah. to come alongside their um, dorm floor mates. And we also encourage students to find a church home. Oh, that's great. We don't want to replace yep. the church. We yep. do want to point them toward it.
1: Yep. Yep. Oh, that's good. It It is... You know, Wheaton, my time at Wheaton was so spiritually forming for me. And I see it in my daughter at Hope. And then you see it at a place like Calvin. It's it's really encouraging, right? Like in this age where you're like, Mm -hmm. is college worth it? I would tell people uh, it absolutely is. Uh, Before I let you plug Calvin, where people can go. A, you're welcome. People on this show know I'm a Giants fan. Your Eagles are struggling. You're the biggest Eagles fan. I know your team stinks right now, but they get the Giants two out of three next weeks. You're welcome. How's that feel for you?
2: That feels really good. Uh, they've struggled <laughs> here in the past four weeks. They had a great beginning, and I know that in the in the next three weeks, since they hit the Giants twice, they're going to have a you great beginning. You get us
1: ending. twice. So you're, it's our Christmas present to you. Uh, totally inside baseball. Do you want to use a Chicagoland radio station to make fun of Chris Schenke after all that he did to you in our dorm room? <laughs> oh, absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And remind Chris of the dead fish that I put in his heater in his room, sure. Oh, but it's
1: really good to catch up. Hey, if people they've got college age kids or high school age kids and they want to learn more about Calvin, maybe set up a visit. Uh, Where should people go to find out more about Calvin University?
2: Go to www.calvin.edu and you can learn a lot more there.
1: Awesome. It's a great college. I would encourage people to go check it out. Provost, Dr. Noah Tolley. Thanks, bud. Thanks, friend, for spending time with us today. Say hi to your family.
2: Thanks, Brian. Great to see you
1: again. Say hi to your family, too. You as well. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160, hope for your life.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. (laughs)